So, Don Hill, Tampa Bay Real Producers, coming at you with another episode of our Tampa Bay Real Producer podcast. And this is the podcast made by Real Producers for Real Producers here in the Tampa Bay community. And we are fired up to have our guest today, Ms. Luz Cologne. Good to have you here today. I am excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Those of you who don't know Luz yet... All you got to do is check out the February issue of Tampa Bay Real Producers, and you will see a spotlight of Luz Cologne right there, our rising star (laughs) for the February 2023 issue. So those of you who might not know, a rising star is uh, a feature we do every month with a top producer who is licensed within their first five years of real estate. So it's obviously uh, somebody who's hit the ground running, you know, takes this business seriously and hasn't done what most agents have to do, which is to take many, many years to just get Mm -hmm. traction. You were able to figure out a way to get traction fast. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But why don't we just start with your background? Let people know a little bit more about you. And uh, are you from Tampa Bay? Uh, What brought you to Tampa Bay? If not, uh, let's start there. So I'm actually born and raised. Uh, It's it's, it's a rarity, but I was born and raised here. A local yokel, huh? Yes. There we go. Um, And uh, I actually lived in West Tampa, where the projects were at, across from Blake. Okay. Um, And I've lived pretty much all over, but we grew up in a rough background. Yeah. and um, rough background poverty, um, but we made it work. Um, I always loved school, so I was like the teacher's pet all the time. I loved reading. I was a nerd. Um, and for me, like I was the first person to graduate in my family, oh. high school. And so for me, that was very important was no matter what I needed to do, I wanted to graduate. Yeah. Um, we had a hiccups. Um, I come from an abused background. So, um, my stepfather was, um, physically, uh, sexually and verbally, uh, abusive wow. towards me. And so I ended up in foster care, uh, and I was there for about three years. Um, I actually still talk to my f- third foster mom. She's like my godmom. She's wow. actually my first transaction. Is that right? Full circle. For, wow. I helped her buy her first. Her, her, now, was this her during what years? How old were you during when you were in foster care? Um, I was uh, fifth grade, like out of, at okay. the end of fifth grade. Um, I didn't go into it. Like I was, they, they, it was reported. Right. And then by sixth grade, um, I was in a foster home and then I didn't get out until about um, freshman year of high school. Okay. Um, that was like when I went to my mom's and I actually got accepted to Blake cause I sing. Um, I love music. I love to dance, anything arts. Wow. Um, so you're not just a business champion. You got the artistic skills. Yeah. Set too, you have huh? to have a, you know, a, a hobby, you know, it's For to stay sure. sane. <laughs> you got to sing it through it. So I was going to be like the singing realtor. I was, that, was that one of the things that kind of got you through some of the tough parts is Absolutely. just knowing that you had that voice and yeah. that was kind of a release for you. Um, it was, um, and I, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm a Christian. And so, um, I was actually the only person in my family to go to church. So I would actually sing at church, go to church. Um, and then I would come home and like, I would be getting abused and, you know, and it's horrible. uh, It it, it is, it is, it's very tough, but it's like, uh, I would tell people it's like your mind. I don't even know how to describe it as a kid. It's like a, um, a setting. Yeah. Like you, you, your mind switches survival mode, I guess. Um, but nobody knew. And, when I told people, like, they were just in shock, you wow. know? So, um, 
but it took a lot of healing. It yeah. really did. I had, I mean, even in my marriage, I brought some things into my marriage because I hadn't fully healed and my husband's I can been imagine. so patient. It takes a lot of work to get it through those does, things. It does. Yeah. It does. And we've been married 14 years. We just celebrated. And, but it really Which was- we met God. your husband at an event recently. Yeah, he was, yeah. uh, he was cool <laughs> hanging out with us. And Yes. He's actually my media marketing person and my right-hand man. Very cool. Um, Came up with the at loose around the bag and the relax and let loose. And yeah. So uh, he was supposed to be here and um, he would have loved all this. But um, so, yeah, so it was, um, I, you know, once I got into Blake and got to my mom's, I actually met my dad and got adopted and the rest is history, which wow. my dad got me into the business. He's in a so you're a true overcomer. Yes. Yeah, that was the, that resilient gene that you had to show, I think, just to survive and to go through all the tough things that you had to do. I mean, it obviously has played a role in your success, I would say, in real estate and, yeah. and I'm sure what's yet to come. Yeah. I think also you have five kids. Is that right? I know we have that yeah. in common. Yeah. So yes. um, our, the, well, our fifth was our technically our niece. I think my husband told you got married yes. in January. So she's out military. He's a great man. High school sweethearts. Mm. Um and uh, works at Gator Ford. His name's Dylan. So if you guys are looking in for a car, uh, <laughs> but he is a wonderful boy. That Shout she out, married. Dylan yeah, Ford. Yeah. Um, he. So she lived with us for five years. Yeah. Um, and my husband walked her down the aisle. Um, very they cool. have a very uh, father daughter relationship. Um, I'm still her aunt. My sister's in her life. It wasn't anything like that. She just. Love being at home with us. She was the oldest rather than the baby. And um, so she liked that. And so um, then we have my 15-year-old and um, he's a rebel, but he's very smart, <laughs> but he's coming into his own. He's like girls and video games. And, uh, and an then interesting age. my <laughs> oldest is going to be nine in April. So I still got some years to be Ooh, able to get to those phases, but ready. I can imagine what it's going to be like. <laughs> as soon as he got to middle school and high school, he was like, what is this? Right. It's a whole new world. <laughs> so, and then I have a, uh, my daughter, she's, 11 going on 30 also. So wow. prepare yourself so You got your hands full in a lot of ways. And twins. And yeah. you're running a profitable and successful business at it the same is. time. So it's crazy. Our crazy. house is chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate. Trust me with the Three newborn. Three dogs, mother-in-law, twins. I mean, it's crazy. So, I, we were in the same boat there. I got five kids and a newborn that's a month old now. So that's we got our hands full uh, without a doubt. And, the chaos, <laughs> and I'm an only child. So this is all new to me. And in terms of figuring out the chaos, it is definitely chaos on a daily basis. Yeah. But, um, so tell us a little bit more about your professional background. So um, how did you get into real estate in terms of, was that one of the first things you got into? Uh, were you in a couple of other careers before real estate fell on your lap? Or let's let's talk a little bit about how that bridge happened. <laughs> yeah, so um, I've, I always wanted to teach. Um, I actually was going to be a nurse. It was a crazy thing because my dad, who adopted me, um, he wanted me to be a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor. I obviously had the grades for it. Yeah. And um, then I was like, no, nope, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to go to Harvard. I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to leave my family. Right. And uh, I was in an abusive relationship before my husband. I was with him for seven years. Um, he's actually... Um, our son, my first, a 15-year-old, my husband legally adopted him when he was two. Okay. And, uh, so he was out of our life. Um, and, uh, so, uh, I didn't want to leave. He had me kind of yeah. 
thinking I couldn't make it. Still dealing with some of those psychological demons. He was my first boyfriend, my first, you know, seven years and I didn't want to leave and we'd break up and I'd try to leave and it was just a lot of just unhealthy stuff. And then finally, when I had my son at eight months, he was eight months old. I said, I can't do this anymore. He changed me and I left him when my son was, uh, our son was eight months old. And so, um, you're saying your son changed you. There was something. Yeah. Just once his birth, I mean, being a mom, like I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to be a family and this isn't healthy. And kids know when you're in, you're literally grooming your kids to think it's okay for abuse or for you to be unhappy. And they can tell. Yeah. And, um, they pick up so much more than you realize they do. And I did not want to repeat that. So I worked at the bank. I worked at bank of America actually, um, on Gandhi. And, um, I worked at Suncoast, then GT. Then I went to bank of America, uh, while, while, I was with my husband. Um, I actually temporarily, so I could be home with my son, did part-time at Music Showcase because I love music, And uh, but I needed to go get a job. Like, we were struggling. So um, I worked at Bank of America for three years, okay. had our daughter, and then went to HSBC, worked in mortgages, bankruptcy there, Okay. then went to City, then Capital so One. So that was kind of your first into the real estate realm was the mortgage industry. Yeah, but then I went back to banking. I was like, I love banking. I love... So I went to USAA, um, got into uh, two accidents, really bad accidents, uh, and it just traumatized me. And um, so I did teaching. I, w- I went back to what I always wanted to do as a girl, and I said, I'm going to go teach, and I taught at Marshall Middle. And then I got into, um, actually it was the one accident, then I got into the second accident and uh, I had to leave right at the end of the school year and I just stayed home with my kids. And my dad is like, you're struggling. I was tutoring, I was doing homeschool mom and making money that way, shipped. Um, And my dad was like, you're like, I get that you're loving to be at home, but you need to help Will. Right. You know, my husband was a surgical tech at the time and he was like, you know, like you should do this. And right. so he actually tried talking into it four and a half years ago. So your dad was the one who brought yeah, up, he thought he was you'd be like, a good, he's what like, was it about real estate that he thought it was the right fit for you? He just felt like, he's like, you're intelligent. Mm-hmm. And he goes, there are people who are not intelligent that do this business. <laughs> we <laughs> all know so those bad. agents. <laughs> he's like, I, he was like, I met this, these um, <clears throat> girls that were just like, not understanding what real estate was. Yeah. And he's like, and it was a $3 million house. Yep. He's like, you could do this in your sleep. And he's like, That's and you so actually protect too. That's your so clients. True. He goes, I know that you could read contracts. I know that you can handle the stress of it and you could still be home. And I told him, no, I don't, I don't want to do it four and a half years ago. And he's like, I'll pay for your schooling. Like, just please. <laughs> so then they had a, a, a friend, a friend at the time. And my dad met up with me at dinner three and a half years ago. And they were like, you really need to do this. Wow. Like you could. Sounds totally like they had this. a little intervention. We're they like, did. we got to talk they, you they into me in a corner. changing your life right now. Yeah, man. They treated me like <sighs> baby. They put me in a corner. And, um, but, uh, so you I'm were pretty so resistant happy. to wanting to get into real estate. I did because I saw how stressful it could be. And, um, I honestly, it was doubt. I didn't think I'd make it. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people who struggle in it. I yeah. talk to people and, um, I just, I just didn't think it was, I could do it. Yeah. And sometimes but they convinced you. Yeah, they did. They were like, you totally can. And your presence. And so that was about three and a half years ago. You said 
And so after that uh, intervention, you went out and took your, you got licensed, took mm-hmm. your test, got everything going. And was it just like rainbows and butterflies from day one? Or <laughs> no, yeah. Um. So I. My first transaction, I got my license in August. I closed September 30th, was my godmother. And that was the only reason why. It was because she was hooking you up. And well, the funny thing is, she had an agent already. Okay. And she told her agent who sold her house, my daughter just got her license. I'm so sorry. You can't be my buyer's agent. Gotcha. You sold my house. She didn't get to sell it. Yeah. So can, you know, and the agent was fine. You know, we're all believers here. Where there's, for me, I've always felt, when I said, if I'm going to do this real estate thing, yep. I'm going to bring on lenders. T- like I'm going to have my team, yep. but there's enough money to go around for everybody. Amen. And if like, even for, I believe this on my team now, I'm starting a team now. And whether I, I'm going to take you to the top with me. Like that's yep. how I see it. Yep. And if you don't want to join my team, that's okay. I'll send you referrals, whatever. Right. You know, that's my friend who was with me last night. She helps me. We help each other out. Yep. So, um, I feel like women don't support each other enough or just realtors in general. And I think that's a vibe for me. Well, I talked Um, about it at our gala last night. We had our second annual agents choice awards last night. Louis was there. I was able to, we had about 300 agents hang out at the vault last night uh, here in downtown Tampa. And one of the things I did talk about was the mentality of cooperation versus competition. Right. And I think culturally, that's one of the things that we really believe in Mm -hmm. with real producers. It's why we try to bring real producers together at events like last night Mm -hmm. to collaborate And, you know, the more and more that I do these interviews, I realize how common that thought process really is with the top producers. Mm -hmm. And it's funny with the people who are not top producers, at least from my experience, those are the ones who seem to view everything more under the competition realm rather than the the cooperation realm. It's so funny how that works. But the image from the outside is like real estate is cutthroat and you have to be, and that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how am I little me? I'm like, I'm I literally am like joy all the time. Like this is me, you know, do I have rough moments? Absolutely. But I'm a bubbly person. So here I am being all bubbly. And if it wasn't for my work mom, you know, Monica, I would not be where I am today. And a few people, you know, at my brokerage, but I was alone. I was getting those leads, $60,000 houses and I would drive to Spring Hill and nothing would come out of it. I would show 10 houses. And I mean, it was grit. But like I said, that one transaction, propelled me to keep going and moving forward. I didn't have another closing till December. And it was like a $60,000 closing. I made like 30% of the commission because it was a referral from my brokerage in Op City. Right. So, but even in that, I tell people like, it's tough. You have to be able to really live on nothing and work 40 to 60 hours act like it's your full-time job and not get a check. And that's how I was able to build. And I just kept building that pipeline. And then by my first 18 months, I got rookie of the year. I sold uh, 7.8 million. So in your first 18 months, you did about 7.8. Mm-hmm. And you remember how many uh, transactions that was? Um, I do not. I think it was around 30-ish. I know I looked at it, your numbers from last year, from what we featured you in in the magazine. And in 2022, the calendar year, I believe, 2022, you did... Um, just over 15 million. I think it was like 15.7. And off market, I think it was like 17. So when I have a printout, because I actually was, um, I got not rep last year, top 250 agents. Um, 
I was doing running for it again to get uh, yeah. awarded, um, and I had to give them a sheet, yeah. and they printed it out, and it was uh, yeah, no doubt. We always used to see I, the MLS stuff, but yeah, yeah it no was doubt. like yeah. new homes. You know, we forget right. to track that, but I can't believe it. And it was over fifty transactions. I think it was like fifty five transactions yeah. that I saw on the on the list. So. Mm-hmm. What are some thoughts you would have, Luz, for people that, you know, maybe might who will watch this episode who are newer or even maybe just thinking of getting into real estate for the first time? And, you know, if they're afraid of it, kind of one of the things you said as far as knowing it's going to be tough to get in and what it's going to look like to build that business and to be patient. What are some things that you think either you would have done differently if you had to do it over again, specifically in your first year? Okay. Or that you feel like you did really well and you're glad you did. And you would replicate and teach that to anybody else. Uh, if they were brand new and trying to get that first year going, has anything come to mind that you think would be valuable to share? Uh, yeah, actually. So that's a very good question. A loaded question. So uh, the first year I actually think I did everything right. Um, after my 18 months though, I started a team and I grew the, the starlight group, which I grew too fast, too quick and it crumbled. I didn't do it right. Didn't get an admin first, um, which is right now, you know, I'm at Keller and I'm, I'm learning the, the, the process of how you want to start a team. Yeah. And, um, for me, it was out with the old. So now it's going to be the Hivex group, you know, hives, you know, bees work hard, mm-hmm. oxes too. So <clears throat> I want to do, we work hard to get you home. And my husband was like, no, too, too cheesy. <laughs> so we don't have a thing yet, but the starlight group, I started too fast, too quickly, seven agents. And, you know, I lost a lot. I lost my best friend. I mean, I lost because I was just trying to take everybody up with me and not everybody is going to mend with your personality. And, um, and it was, it was just crazy. Um, so highs and lows. Um, the lesson you learned from that was just starting a team too quickly. Do you think? Yes. So I would say that I, I worked my tail off for that, those 18 months. So I think I did that right. Uh, and I picked a good, strong brokerage that had my back. I will say I was at Berkshire Hathaway home services. And like I said, my work mom pushed me. Yeah. She, teaches and e-leads like a boot camp. Mm-hmm. I co- would I can convert the toughest of leads because of her. Yeah. And that's how I built my business. And um I would not be like I said where I am and so I worked my tail off but then after that I was like trying to bring everybody with me and I built a team, like I said, too fast, too quick. And then, you know, my friend, like, for example, my friend who was with me last night, she would call me and I'm like, where, where is your broker? She goes, I never even met my broker. She just went somewhere that was hundred percent. So don't think that you go to a brokerage that's hundred percent. You're by yourself. And I told her, I said, I don't mind you calling me. I love you, but I, what if I can't talk to you one day? This is a contract. If you miss something, you could literally cost your customer thousands, thousands. Yep. And so she really realized that. And so she's at Berkshire now, but, um, but I mean, that's a great lesson right there. It's just the idea. We, we talk a lot actually on this podcast about the importance of mentorship, right? Especially for new yeah. people. Like that was one of the first things I would do if I was getting licensed today. Uh, it was, who am I going to be mentored by? Yes. Right. How am I going to do that? And sometimes we look at it through the lens of commissions and say, well, why would I yeah. not just go for a broker that's going to pay me a hundred percent versus one that's going to be a different split. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is like, there's a reason why there's a different split because they know they're providing value. Right. Yes. And if you're just learning this business, I mean, I would rather have a smaller piece of a larger pie than a hundred percent of nothing. Right. Exactly. And ultimately, um, 
even more important than the money is just what you learn in that process of growing your business. So mm-hmm. it sounds like Berkshire was a great landing spot for you yeah. to be able to get that foundation. And it sounds like you had a great mentor yeah. who helped mm-hmm. push you along the way. I think that's a great you know tip for anybody who's trying to figure it out. I mean, you look at Remax, you look at Keller Williams, you look at Berkshire, you look at these big, you know, we, we call them corporate uh, yep. brokerages. But if you look at their training, when you come in as a new agent, yep. they have some really good training yep. and mentorship programs that these little boutique brokerages do not have. Now, I'm not saying anything negative right. about them because I have seen some wonderful boutique brokerages that do take you along, along they come alongside you. Yep. But more often than not, I have my, my dad's good friend did the same thing, went with a friend who's a broker and she felt lost too. Yep. And then she had, she would do open houses for agents. She would stage the houses. These agents were using her and she would get a whole lot of nothing, Yeah, you know, and she felt alone. And there were times that I felt alone. Like I would have to go vent to my work mom. And so do you want to be a part of a team? That was another thing too, that you have to ask yourself. I knew personally, I didn't want to be on a team. I didn't want, I wanted to build something that was mine and my brand. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want, I felt like if I used someone as a team leader, um, cause they always tell you this and, and the, and the, I always told my team, if you take everything from me and you go and do your own thing and it doesn't work out, um, for me in the biblical background, you reach, teach, send. So yep. I actually would not feel like you used me. Yep. I'd be proud of you because if you want to make something of yourself, do that. But I was always told that in the brokerage world or in the real estate world, when you leave your team leader, sometimes they think that you use them. And so I didn't want to be seen as if I was using my team leader because I knew that ultimately I wanted to make something of myself. Yeah, we've shared this thought before, but I, I had a mentor once who taught me based on what you just said, this principle that would you rather train your people and then have them leave, Mm -hmm. which is generally going to happen as people have to find their own path, right? And find their own opportunities. But if you really think about it, would you rather train them and have them leave or not train them and have them stay? Right. Mm. Because that's even worse to have (laughs) to have people that you are just not investing in. It's like that hurts the brand. Right. At the end of the day. So, I mean, I think if you really have an abundant mentality versus that scarcity mindset, Mm -hmm. as any good leader should have, you should be willing to give in and, and, you know, invest. And it really is investment Mm -hmm. uh, into your people. So it sounds like as a team leader, you're in the process of building it. Has that from the beginning been a vision for you is wanting to build a team? That's that's just been kind of the way you've looked at this business. Yeah. Um mentoring, coaching. I was a teacher. I mean, naturally, yep. that's what I always love doing. I love, I also tutored. I have Starlight Tutors that I'm eventually, I want to bring back, mm-hmm. like have tutors that work for, I just, I love, I love it. It's something that I always go back to. Um, and I miss my kids actually. And um, so I want to do it with real estate. Yeah. And I realized that like real estate, actually, you don't just have to sell. You could be a coach. You could be a mentor. You could speak. You could do podcasts. You could do, you could um, be an admin. You could be a transaction coordinator. I mean, there's just so much yep. that you can, I can take all my talents. And so that's what I want to do. So I want to build a team, but I do want to start coaching, mentoring, maybe going around the world and speaking and just showing people that they can really live out their dreams mm. and I, I'm a strong believer in that. And there was actually a point where I doubted myself. And recently I realized that I was the one that I'm holding myself back. That's cool. And, um, and I have, if, if other people can, what was that point? Is there a moment of decision that 
that you remember that really was a distinct a distinctive moment that made you be like, all right, I am doubting myself and it's time for a change. Like does anything, is um, there a story so behind I that? Recently switched over to Keller Williams and I went to family reunion and I like, I get goosebumps and just tears come. And I heard Ed Milet speak and I was already learning a lot. And it was funny because I actually did a motivational video before I heard him speak. And I was telling people, to not hold back. Cause I was already starting to realize that like, wow, there is so much possibility in real estate. Mm. And I was just here thinking I was just a salesperson. Yeah. And, and I know my clients tell me all the time that I touch their lives, but they're just, it, you, um, you just, it, it becomes just a routine. Yeah. Right. And so I, I was like, I want to break from my routine. I want to do something different. And when I heard him speak and talk about his story and just how the power of one more Mm. and pushing through and just hearing his background and hearing how he fought through, I was like, all right. I'm this in. is it. I'm in. I I can do this. And it's not because I want money or fame. I want to inspire. And if I could be a change, even if it's just handing the keys, I was, you know, I was the first person. We were the first people in our family to buy a house. Right. If we didn't buy that home, we would not be financially where we are now. Mm. My husband and I, mm. it literally changed us. And we both grew up poor and we were always taught a poverty mindset of renting to rent. Rent is better right. than buying safer and right? it's safer. Right. Exactly. And so it was just, I want to go out there and teach that. I, I don't think that we teach it enough and being us being a minority also, like I want to go out there and train agents and coach them and have them really, I think real estate can change people's lives. And I think that it's, I think it's better than stocks personally. And it's, you're not gambling. This is something that if you look at years, it's just, it's something great. So I, I think that that's what I want to do. I want to coach, I want to mentor. And so I just, right now I'm starting with the team and then, but eventually that's what I want to do. Well, I can sense your passion not from here, just in terms of when you, <laughs> when you talk about it, you light up and you can see the energy behind it. I love that. So you've had various other careers and jobs. Like what is it specifically about real estate? Do you think that you have found that you've been able to tap into that makes it so rewarding for you? Why is this, why is this the path? You could just do everything. Like I said, I, I went to family reunion. I saw that they have university coaching. You can train to, you know, um, and I, I took, uh, I, when I was at Berkshire, we did a ninja course and that fired me up too. And, and ninja, but he, you know, um, they go around and they coach and there's just so much that you can do. So as the teacher inside me, I can still do that. I can bring up agents. I can, you know, run an office. I can, um, It's just so much that you can do. There's a path for everybody. Exactly. And so like if you're, let's say you're a person who is um, artistic, right? And you just aren't making money in the artistic realm. Do you know that in real estate, you can make money. Mm. You can become a a marketing photography, draw logos for realtors or, you know, find that, that niche and, and just stay with it at family reunion. They actually had an artist illustrating everything that was there. And he was literally there drawing on a board and they had a painter. And I mean, there's just so many things that you can do. Um, my husband is now a full-time photographer, does marketing, does logos. He does all my listing photos, does other agents. So you guys are a business together, basically. Oh, now we are. Yeah. I was, this business has been able to do that. So 
do you use real estate to fund a dream? And I heard that a long time ago and I didn't really like realize it until my, I was able to, my husband was able to do this full time and now we're working together. And, um, one of the things that we want to do now with the Hybex group is actually invest in real estate. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that I just started learning by reading, um, Gary Keller's um, book, the one thing? I, um, no, that's I, my, my leg just power one more. But no, I'm reading. Um, I, I'm reading uh, MREA, and then I want to read MREI, which is gotcha. the investor portion. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading that MREA because that millionaire real estate agent, because that's going to teach me about team building. And then there is actually one that's millionaire, uh, mil, millionaire, real uh, real, investor. yeah, investor. Thank yeah. you. Jeez. Um, <laughs> and then so. I'm trying to do things, like I said, right this time. So that's something that him and I want to do. Are you a Rich Dad, Poor Dad fan? Um, I have not read it. Everybody's like, lose, like get on board. That was one of the first books I've read when I was like 18 that got me excited about real estate. Because from an investing standpoint, and I've actually been more focused in over the years on the investment side than mm-hmm. I have been on the residential just license agent side. Um, but um yeah, it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad that kind of got me into that whole realm, just God, teaching me what a true asset versus liability is and changing my whole mindset on why real estate is such a great investment. That was kind of the beginning of my journey, I would say. And I think that actually that's important because um, even I would say top producers would say that they read and they watch watch videos, mm-hmm. listen to podcasts. Uh, that's actually a mistake also. I would say that now that you brought that up, um, go, getting into real estate, not having my PA set up, my S Corp, I didn't set up for until the second year because I didn't know. I thought it could be uh, self-employed, which, yeah. you know, having a budget. And you're all liable over, for everything. Oh yeah. my goodness, yes. And no tax breaks. For real, right. exactly. Um, but also um, having a budget, having a plan. Yeah. I overspent. I'm going to be very honest with you. My marketing, I, and I remember talking to an agent. She's like, oh yeah, I'm going to see if I could fit that in my marketing budget. And I heard her say that and I was like, Wait, you have a budget? You have a budget? <laughs> I was just paying for leads and right. paying for, you know, every, and, and then you also have to wean out because as a new realtor, you get all these calls and emails and I still get them constantly. Hey guys, leads, 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 buy this program, buy this program, uh, send out this mailer. And there's all these programs that you will literally get bombarded and you're yeah. like, which one works and which one do I do? Right. So I would say that too, like be careful with that and really try to create a plan, which being at the right brokerage, they'll teach you to create yep. a plan and stuff like and that. And then too. I have like a specific strategy, ideally one that you can stay committed to, right? And, yes. and work through. And I don't know if you had or you landed on any one thing particularly, or maybe you had multiple, but was there kind of a main source you would say or a main strategy that helped fuel your business? Is there something that comes to mind there? I honestly, so I didn't have a big sphere. I told you from my background, I mean, I had people from church and things like that, but I didn't know where to start, where to begin, how to put myself out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I was making videos. I say, um, a lot. I was, you know, but I didn't care. And I'm raw and real in my videos. I will literally. Which is more attractive anyway. For real. So that's how I've made my business is by being raw and real. And I tell people like, I'll do professional videos. You'll see them. My husband will edit them. And, but there are times I'm in my office and I'm like, Hey guys, you know? And so, um, I, I will say video, like videos. I will say leads. So just social media yeah, promo. Social media. Organic, organic, uh, organic content. Yep. And, and being me. Like people don't, people, they watch reality shows, right? To think that it's real. I still don't think some reality shows are real. But right. I learned that if I'm my authentic self, 
people will like that. They don't think that I'm just trying to make commission off of them. Yeah. And I, and I, and the money will come. I didn't think about like, I got to make this dollar. I got to make this closing. I got to do this. I got to do that. Cause people will see that if you start becoming money hungry in this business, people will see right through you and you're not going to make any money. Yep. It'll backfire. Yeah. Um, people don't like that commission breath. They don't, right. they don't. And I mean, I've, I've actually seen agents that, uh, I've heard that agents, some agents have done well with it because of their confidence. I personally don't, I wouldn't advise that. Yeah. You know, I, it works for some, but I personally wouldn't advise it. Um, because I've also seen on their high horse, them fall flat on their face. Right. So, um, I would say leads. I told you I would convert the toughest of leads. I was consistent in my follow-up. My follow-up game is, man, let me That's tell huge. you, That's huge. huge. Most huge. people are horrible at that. You got to stay top of mind. And that was one of the things I learned was follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. Mm. Literally. I heard it like all the time in my work. Like I'm telling you, Monica taught me follow-up, follow-up. And that's where uh, all these difficult leads, they would come back and I would get a lead that I'd been working on for a year, year and a half. And they'd come and say, Hey, Luz, help me buy a house. There you go. You know, I have people it's that I've worked two off. years. Yeah. I'm not I'm very relational. I'm not transactional. So I tell them, look, you don't buy from me now. You buy from me in two years. Right. You send me a referral. That's like the best compliment. I'm okay. There's this um, whole paradigm that I teach sometimes, like the A to Z marketing paradigm, It's mm-hmm. which is all about follow-up. And it's the concept that every single person that's out there is on this paradigm somewhere, mm-hmm. right? From A to Z. A is the coldest lead you could possibly have because <laughs> they just bought a home closed yesterday. And <laughs> Z is like, they're Googling you and like, I need to buy a house yesterday, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you got all that. And most of us, of course, are somewhere in the middle. In the middle. And then the, re- the reality is, is most agents don't have systems set up so that if they talk to someone who's at a C or D phase, they are not in front of them, like you said, top of mind. So mm-hmm. when that person becomes a, a, an X or a Z, you are one of the people they think of and you got to keep moving them along the path to well, eventually they get there. How many realtors do we have in Florida right now? Well, we had 50, over 15,000 that did at least one deal. There's more than that that are licensed, but about 15,000 that did one deal last year, at least one deal last year. Uh, yeah. And to be in the top 500 to do over 50 deals. I mean, it shows that you've really dif- distinguished yourself among, among the best. Yeah, but we have to, because yeah. look at all that competition because even the one person had, they got the one deal. Right. 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 But I mean, I went to a dental it's office. like their next the, door neighbor or their parents exactly. or something. Exactly. Right. I went to the dental office and the hygienist and the dentist were licensed right. and they do it for their own transactions and for their friends. Right. So it's like, wow, like right. they could have gone with somebody else. And that's why you have to stay top of mind because I heard that for every one person, they know about eight to 12 realtors. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I would, I would say that I would say, if you don't have a sphere. You don't know where to start. I would say leads. I know they tell you to obviously do sphere of influence and, and to attack that and stay top of mind. Farming has been good for me as well. Cool. Um, but, uh, those were my main things I would say. One of the things we always talk about on this podcast is just what you think one of your biggest challenges were. And we might've already touched on it. You mentioned the team building, how that was too quick and that fell apart on you. And if that's the case, we can move on. But I was just curious, was there anything else that comes to mind that you would identify as one of the biggest challenges that you went through in this experience of building your real estate team, your, your business, um, any big lesson that you feel like you learned from it? Or is it, would you say it's the team building thing we already discussed? Honestly, another thing I would say time management. Okay. Um, like I told you, our house is chaos and I mean, now we're, we're honing in and we created a schedule and, but I will say that when I started, I would take calls at 10 o'clock at night. Mm. I would be on the phone for hours. Um, time blocking has become crucial in my life. 
Um, That's a great tip. And it's something that I learned late. And, you know, my kids appreciate that I work and provide and took us out of being a struggling family um, to being able to go to karate and do things like that now that I'm proud. I can now say I can go to their karates. But there were some meets I didn't make too. And there were some times that, and even still, you know, um, I used to, I used to try to take Sundays off, but that market now, right now, some of my clients that I have right now, I need to work on Sunday, but I balance it out because I didn't used to balance it. I would just work seven days a week. Yeah. Guess what? I'm working this Sunday, but Saturday I'm going to um, go to the movies right. with my family. Right. So I've been learning to time block and, and manage it and tell people like, Hey, you know, I'm, I have a gala. Like I told people last night, I won't be have, you know, I have a gala. I can't show this house, but I could show it to you tomorrow yep. or I can have a buddy of mine show it to you. Um, so I would say that, um, is that a lot of people, uh, one of the pressures that I had was being a working mom and failing. Mm. And a lot of people judged me mm. and, um, you will have that people that see you building and they'll judge you and say, you're a workaholic. There's a lot of haters out there. You're a bad mom. And I had to get past that. And they were right to some extent. I'm not a bad mom, but they were right as to the workaholic. And so, but instead of coming alongside me, like how my leader said, Luz, have you heard about Tom (laughs) Bilagi? Like, Mm -hmm. and also picking one, like she would tell me, how are you going to have a paper planner and a, and there were things that would, I would miss out of here. And not put in the paper planner. Right. And so I had to learn how to manage my time. So I'm old school. I like the paper planner, but I right. let that go because this is always attached to me. Right. So, um, but instead of coming alongside me, they judged me. So I would say I would believe the lie of people and the enemy and judging and judging. So don't do that. I would say time blocking. And it really is a lie. It really, I Those mean, self doubts that yeah. sometimes are brought on to you by other people, mm-hmm. as you said, um, it's just a myth, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it is. And it's, if you start believing it, you can make it true for yourself and yep. you start living it. But the reality is, is that any single person that's listening to this can be great in this industry. If they really surround themselves with the right people, learn some of the tools that are needed, such as time blocking, which is such a critical tool, uh, to be successful really in any business, but real estate's no different. Um, and protecting, you know, the things that are really important because seven days a week of work, is just not sustainable. I mean, even God had to rest on on day seven. And that's what my husband would say. He's like, um, can we start taking Sundays off, please? Like, you're just like working a lot. And like I said, it, it, it did, um, tear us apart sometimes. And, um, I realized it. And I mean, of course I missed my kids, but I'm like, I'm providing for them. They see moms putting food on the table. And I was, you know, wanting to help my husband out because I saw him working hard on his feet all day and I wanted him to live out his dream too. And he supported me. I mean, even when he would be working on his feet all day, he'd go and pick up the kids, cook. I mean, that man, I I just, it's, it's just, it's crazy. And Mm. so I wanted to you know, not retiring, but I wanted him to live his dream because I saw how hard he was supporting me. Mm-hmm. And so now we're able to do it together and we're a team and awesome. he does still do most of the cooking. He's such a great cook. <laughs> um, but He's a keeper. <laughs> the wife's the, my my wife's like, the cook at our house. So that, like, that's look, not my that's, that's not my specialty. I did my time. I did my duty. I breastfed our children. <laughs> it's your turn to cook, but he loves cooking. So it's okay. And he's a, he's a grill master. Um, 
So yeah, but he, um, you know, we, we, we tend to feed off of each other and we're learning as a family, even like I, there was things that I wouldn't trade off to the kids. So now they have chores. And so we're, we learn, we're learning everything. By the way, is that dynamic sometimes a challenge? The fact that your husband is kind of also a business partner, it sounds like in many ways, um, (laughs) has that, has that created any sort of challenges in terms of that dynamic or has it actually just enhanced the relationship? Honestly, everybody asks us that. Like, has it hurt us? Um, our first few years were rough. And so we're like, man, this is just a breeze. Yeah. Um, and we actually, around um, our 10-year anniversary, we had a, a rough patch, almost divorced. And this was actually before I was in real estate. Mm. But um, we it was because we were losing sight of the important things of family. We were actually over-serving in church. We weren't time-blocking. Mm. And... Um, we learned that. And that was one of the things that we do now. We time block, we spend time with each other. And honestly, him and I get along. I, I we, we joke like, oh, we want to kill each other all the time, <laughs> but it's really not that. Like right. he'll be like, oh babe, I missed you today. Like when we don't work together, he's like, babe, I missed you today. You know? And I'll be like, ah, you didn't miss this crazy person, <laughs> but I, I, we keep things interesting. We're opposite. So it was funny because, um, uh, my, my, a good friend of mine, uh, she actually has seen me grow and she's been in my life a very long time. Um, uh, Patricia Bradford, she was, she was on my team and now she's an attorney, so she's not on the team anymore, but she was one of the members and she was building real estate to become an attorney, a probate attorney. And she did, she's doing great now. And I would refer her to anybody. Um, she was like, when I saw you at the party mingling, she's like, Willie is like your anchor. You're like this and he is your anchor. He keeps you anchored down. He is opposite of you, but we get along very well and we actually don't get tired of each other. Um, I know some husband and wife team, they don't operate like that. Um, I I love it a lot. I actually, I, I really do like, I, I, he's my best friend. Yeah. You see sometimes where it actually causes some friction about business decisions, right. That then can easily be rolled over into like the personal lives since you're living with your business partner versus, uh, I also have seen and understand why it can bring couples closer together. Right. Yeah. Because you're you're working towards a common vision and a common goal and supporting each other that way. Like for me, I, I, I wanted the Starlight group, uh, to start over again. And he actually made a good point. And he's like, out with the old and with the new. And my friend said the same thing. And several people said that. They were like, now you're building this with your husband. Yeah. When you built the Starlight Group, it was you by yourself. Right. You're building a team. And and he wasn't in real estate. He was just helping you out. He was going to do the, the the photography and marketing and things like that. Um, but now we're doing this together. Yep. And so, and he actually came up with the name. And so I had to say, you know what? he's my partner. Why would I not involve him in naming it? And it's actually a good name. I like it. It's not after myself. It's not after himself. Mm-hmm. It's something that's together. Yeah. And, um, and we do, we have, uh, conflicts like the admin thing. Oh man, we got into a couple tissy fits with that because <laughs> he was like, well, what does an admin do? And why are we going to spend money? And then when he went to family reunion with me, they actually had classes for it. And he's like, Oh my God, we need an ad- admin. Right. I was like, thank you, Jesus. I've been saying this the whole time. I know. It's always funny how it, when hearing from someone else, now all of a sudden it's a good idea. Right? Really? Yes. Like, yes, that's right. That's and right. how many people told us? Because there were other people that told us too, but <laughs> oh my Lord. But you know, 
we have, of course, those arguments. We're not perfect. Right. And, um, but honestly, we have been, uh, we have our foundation in Christ. Um, one thing I actually did like about Keller is God family business. Yep. And that's why they, and I'm actually learning more about time blocking and I'm learning more about, um, like I said, importance and balance. And so, um, we've had in these three and a half years, it's been like this, but I've actually gotten to a point I can say now that we're getting, you can see the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes. We're getting to our five-year plan. <laughs> so we're going to come to a close here with our episode, but a couple like rapid fire questions, usually just some quick answers on okay. just to get, let the audience get to know you a little bit more. All right. Um, do you have a favorite book or seminar or author Ooh. or maybe an event that you've attended? Anything that you feel like has been highly influential in your thought process? So I'm, I'm excited to read the power one more, but I would say uh, Mitch album. I like I, I midnight library is another book that will inspire you. And these are like fiction books, but yeah. I like to read. I'm a nerd. Um, I like superhero, like I'm just quirky. So I would just, you know, it doesn't have to always be real estate. No, I like to keep things interesting. You're a fiction um, reader, huh? I, yeah, sci-fi too sometimes, romance. Um, I'm actually eclectic with my music. I could go from Aerosmith to Etta James. <laughs> uh, it's the same with books. Yeah. So yeah. Very cool. I love it. Yeah. And you, you, it allows queen, your brain to kind of get really uh, creative sometimes when you're, when you're going through the fiction stories <laughs> yeah. and, you know, allows you to dream a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite food? Ooh, I'm Hispanic. You mentioned your husband's a good cook. So. Yes. Oh, man. I'm, uh, I love Italian and Spanish. I'm in Puerto Rican. So I go to Puerto Rico, and of course, that's my favorite food. You can't get food. Like, did you live in Puerto Rico? I did not. Okay. Um, but I, I, I've gone to visit. I have family over there. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm a big I love foodie. going to Puerto Rico. My buddy has a restaurant down there. Oh, and just man. driving through the streets into the country area and seeing all the people on the side of the roads when they roast the pigs right on the side yes. of the streets. Yes. Oh, I'm so hungry. I pull right over and get myself some pig oh, right off the yes. stick. I mean, yes. come on now. That's some good Literally. stuff. You'll have to give me his name so I can tell my family to go support him. And when I go, but I, yeah, I love he's an old San Juan. Yeah. yeah. I love supporting local businesses and I've made my business doing that now. I love supporting local and small businesses, but, uh, I'm a foodie, so I really can't say I will literally eat every, I will eat sushi pho. favorite movie. Um, we were big twilight fans, but no, on a serious note, I would say, um, um, I like Midnight in Paris. Um, I like, um, um, Midnight in Paris. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Yeah. It's, it's, he's like, uh, he is about to get married or, or like he's engaged or something. And then he realizes that he's not living his full potential or his life because he meets like Dolly and he, he goes back to an, another era and he meets Ernest Hemingway and Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. I think you can learn a few things from good old Ernest. <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> so um, it was it was it was it was a really cool movie. My dad actually likes that movie a lot too. Um, I think and, you mentioned Passion of the Christ as well as one you were. Yeah. Fan. So I would say not to sound cheesy or cliche. I would say Passion of the Christ though. Like you literally it doesn't matter where you come from. Um, you you just are. You can't by watch that and not. Yeah. Be seriously. Yeah, um, yeah. The sacrifice you know, is uh, right in front of your face. Yeah. Literally. Um, and beautiful life. Um, I would say. Um, you know, things like that. Like, Got you. I love movies a lot. Last question. And, uh, this is one of my favorites because I think it makes people think. And I think a lot of times we don't take the time to think. So this question revolves around the idea of your legacy and what you would want to be known for as you think about whether it's your business personally, 
Um, you know, we all come to a point in time where maybe you retire and you just kind of sit on the rocking chair and think back to, uh, what you're excited about, what you're proud of. So if you had to explain what you would want your legacy to be, I know you have five kids and to me, that's always part of your legacy, of course, is what you want to, how you want them to grow up and what they want to, um, you know, how you want them to think of you when, uh, uh, years from now. So ultimately what would be the most important thing to you lose when it comes to your legacy and what you want to be known for? Uh, being light, um, being kind. Um, I've been poured into by so many people who gave their time, their money, their, their, just their efforts. Um, and I say money because, you know, I had a teacher that bought me this beautiful, I didn't have a Sunday dress. I told you I, I grew up poor and I see it made fun of my looks and clothes and things like that. And, um, she bought me this dress and I will always remember her name. I'll always remember the color of the dress was pink and mm. I felt like a princess. And, you know, I kept that dress for a very long time. Um, and, uh, it was just, just being kind, being light. Um, you know, I want my kids to know that, um, you can achieve your dreams and you can do whatever you put your mind to, but not actually like think it, like actually do it. Mm. And I, I want to build, uh, my wealth to help others. I think that we have, uh, where we have to be kingdom minded, a kingdom work. There's people out there in this world that need it. And I want to be a blessing and bless others. And I really mean that, Mm -hmm. um, because like I said, I would not be here if that didn't happen. So I kind of want to pay it forward. And, um, so that's what I'm working towards now so that I can, uh, do it the right way and, and the honest way. It's so funny how sometimes we can just do what we would consider to be these insignificant acts of kindness, but like you described the woman who gave you the dress and it's like, maybe to her, it wasn't a big deal. It's like, she just saw a need and bought you a dress, but that was you know years ago and it's still Mm -hmm. impactful. I can see you getting emotional, even just thinking about it, right? It is. It's just bringing it up. It's just, you know, I think about my life and just how I've been here and everything that I've been through and just those moments like where you think you're insignificant, you get reminded that you're somebody and that you're loved and that there are good people in the world. And I remember having a conversation with, um, my adopted sister. She's like, yeah, no, we're not going to have any more kids because this world is just crazy. And Mm. I don't, we don't want to bring them into that. And I'm like, well, well, there, there is craziness and, and bad stuff in the world, but there's a lot of good right. and you just teach that child to love and you just show them, you know, to love people and to love God and, and to just, you, I think that that's important. And I think that, um, a lot of people out there are just hurt and hurt people, hurt people. Wow. Um, so for me, I had to heal and I had to not project my hurt onto those and just be joy. And amen. You're preaching now, Luz. <laughs> I love it. I'm fine. I mean, the only time that darkness reigns is when it's, there's an absence of light. Right. Yeah. And so ultimately, I mean, that's a defeatist mentality to think that you wouldn't want to make a difference, make a difference. And yeah. obviously you are. And so I hope everybody that got a chance to check out this episode, you know, yeah. was inspired. Kind of I was, yeah. you have a very, very inspiring story and being able Thank to tell you. that and being 
vulnerable enough to be open and honest about some of the challenges that you went through growing up. Um, I'm sure there are some people that can relate to that in different ways. And, you know, you are truly an overcomer. And so it's exciting to see how far you've come, the business you've built, the life you now have, how passionate you are about that life. Uh, You, you know, glow and your eyes twinkle when you talk about it. So (laughs) it was, it was an honor and really a pleasure to have you here uh, today on this episode. And I'm sure you'll be seeing Luz and her team that brand Hive Hivex Hivex H I V O X H I V O X We work hard. The Hivex squad, the Hivex team is going to be out and about all over yes, the Tampa Bay market for years to come. I'm sure you'll be seeing those uh, that brand blowing up, <laughs> and uh, be checking out Luz Cologne as she builds her uh, her legacy for many many years. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. It really was our pleasure. It was uh, awesome yeah. to hear your story. And uh, guys, Tampa Bay Real Producer Podcast, once again, coming at you as the podcast for real producers by real producers. And I hope you were inspired today by Luz's story. We'll have more episodes to come. Go ahead and subscribe, of course, on YouTube and follow us on social media. And uh, thanks one more time, Luz, for being here. You're a rock star. Thank you so much. Thank you. Later, guys. We'll check you. Check you later.